What are you built for as a man? What are you built for? What are you built for? What am I built for as individuals? We have to ask each other once in a while on a regular basis, what the hell am I doing here? What's the point of this whole thing? What's the big meaning of life? What is the great purpose? How am I spending my days? Is all this adding up to anything? I think those are good questions for us to ask. It is good to ask bigger questions from time to time, such as, what is my purpose in life? I ask this question of myself, uh, certainly when I coach men. Matter of what they're doing in life, where they're going, what they're building, often comes up, and often there's a deep parallel between whether a man is building something in the world, whether he's building something with his skills, with his mastery, whether he's making money, all of that often intimately relates to what is he able to build with women. The two go hand in hand, right? Uh, I have a dear friend who's a who's a woman who's a coach who also coaches men. She bluntly, <laughs> I would second her in this. She bluntly tells her men uh, to fuck women right. You have to fuck the world right first. You have to be engaged in the world and you have to be winning there so that you can also win with women. But that's even a different topic. I'm not even going to go into this, the woman part of this aspect. But it is an important inquiry for men to get into. Oftentimes they come at it through the side door of the reason things are lackluster in their relationships with women is because they're also lackluster and they're losing steam in their life purpose and their engagement with life and their engagement with the world and their engagement with creating something, making something. When we tend to ask this, what is my life purpose? It's a very extroverted question. question. What is my purpose? It has the gesture of turning to the heavens and asking God, God, tell me what my purpose is. God's never answered me directly. If he's answered you, good for you. Uh, so I have to like do my own investigation. And I think it is, I found uh, quite a bit of insight and solace. I've never owned a dog, but I like dogs. There are things about dogs I like. The things like, for one thing, I can never figure out why they actually love human beings so much. To me, it's a real puzzle. To me, the answer to that must be really at the soul level. It can't be at the physical, evolutionary level. Anyway. But the other thing I love about dogs is you can sometimes so clearly see what certain dogs are built for. <laughs> I always think it must be such a relief to be a retriever and says, yep, my mission in life is to bring back sticks. That's what I do. Yep, that's who I am. That's what I do. That's what I've been built for. When you see another dog like me, also know they are built to bring back sticks. I think they were probably built to bring back uh, 
birds that had been shot down, water dogs. So bring back things. I'm a retriever. That's what I do. I retrieve, right? And I think it's uh, wonderful. It's a wonderful question. It's a Barbara Walters question to a question to ask yourself. If you were a dog, what kind of dog would you be? I think that's a question every man should really answer for himself. But I think the deeper question would be, uh, what are you built for? Right, by the same logic. You see a herding dog, and it just you let it loose on sheep, and it just does its thing. It hurts sheep. So you, you set a terrier loose, my friend. And the city has a, uh, I even forget which which brand of terrier. It's a small one, but like he takes that dog out for a walk in the park, and you know the sparks where he can let the dog loose, take his uh, leash off. And this is Manhattan. This is New York. There are plenty of rats. They once in a while, my friend says it's a sight to see if the dog can spot a rat at the all the way to the other end of the little uh, dog playground, right? It just, it just turns into a machine, dashes over, catches a rat, shakes it two times and just throws it and walks away. Doesn't even look back, knows the rat is dead, right? Arrogance, pride, it's like, ugh, job well done. And he says there's nothing like watching him in that mode. He's never like that the rest of the time when he's just a pet. Right. What are you built for? What are you and I built for? And how do we find out what we are built for? This is a puzzle we have to solve. Uh, our morphology is not so obvious, but even that might be an indication. So I've come up with a few questions, few questions for men to figure out what breed of dog they are, what breed of man they are. A guideline, right? And these questions are very introverted, right? They are not turning to the heavens and saying, God, why did you make me? They're like, let's assume God made me for a reason, right? He put St. Bernard's here to, I think St. Bernard's are for rescuing people in the snow. That's what he made them for. People who are going to get stuck on snowy mountains. So he's like, here, here, have a beautiful dog who can, might be able to rescue you, right? Let's assume he built you for a reason. Uh, maybe your job is to kind of figure out that reason. Your job and my job for ourselves. So I have a few questions here. I ask myself a few questions I can ask other men. Right. First one is a little abstract. I've come to this question a little bit later in my inquiry. What is the level of burden you are built to carry in this lifetime? What is the level of burden? Not even the nature of the burden. Simply the level of the load that you're built to carry. Take a wild guess. I know it's a completely abstract question, but it's like what what which is the which is the burden? What kind of burden? I'm like, no, just a general. Like if you were to feel your soul, really make this an internal inquiry. Your body, your spirit, your energy, your heart, <clears throat> you know yourself. What is the level of burden you're built to carry? I think if you inquire into this, if you just feel into it, you will kind of get an answer back from the inside of your system. Well, this is the correct level of burden I am built to carry. And then ask yourself, are you carrying that much? Right. Ask yourself, are you carrying that much? 
You can ask yourself, are you carrying too much? Or more importantly, are you carrying too little? Have you been carrying too little of a burden in your life? I think most of us have, for one reason or another. I think most of us carry this hollow feeling in the pit of our stomach that what we are capable of doing, we are nowhere close to doing yet. The speed at which we are capable of running, we are nowhere close to running at that speed. And I don't think this is some kind of an existential, uncurable angst in our system. I actually think it's a correct indicator. Why? Because that uh, needle goes up and down during our lifetime. It doesn't just stay steady. It's not like a hole in the ground that no matter what you do, you never feel you're carrying the right level of burden. You never feel the right level of engagement. There are times when we really feel we are we have grabbed onto the live wire of life and we feel engaged. And there are other times we're like, I'm wasting my days. Right? I think this might be a very overall important inquiry to make. It's almost like, at what speed should I be running? If I'm supposed to be doing 100 points of lifting a day and I'm only doing 30, 40, 50, 60, how about I just raise my level to 100 and then I figure out what are the other 40 things I'm going to be doing? What are the other things I'm going to be pouring that extra energy into? Almost to rev up your system to its correct revolution and then figure out what are you going to do with all that extra output. May sound ass backwards, but I find it useful. I think this is an independent inquiry. The level of burden we are built to carry. And I think unless we carry that level of burden and unless we feel that level of pressure and progress in our system, we don't feel satisfied. Right. It is possible to carry too much. I think if we carry too much, uh, we will get overwhelmed. We will usually have health breakdowns. But I think it, uh, the more common disease of our time is most men are not carrying as much as they are built to carry. And that's creating a restlessness uh, in their system. Second inquiry, much easier, much more common sense. Where have you served others? What have others found you useful for? What have others sought you out for? What have others used you for? Right. If you have a use, chances are other people have seen it and taken made made use of your use. Right. If you find a dog that's particularly good at doing something and you want that thing done, you'll be like, excellent, bring the dog. Right. Makes my life easier. So whose life have you made easier? What have you got that other people have been able to use? I think that's a good place to begin. And to think that whatever that is, at least give it the benefit of the doubt that it is an integral part of your purpose. That it is not something extraneous. Make that one of the big pieces in your mosaic on what your life purpose is. How have other people been able to use you? What good what have you been to other people? Second inquiry. What can you not stand to see done badly? <laughs> right? 
In which area of life are you a snob? In which area of your life when you do when you see someone doing something in a mediocre and bad way, it kind of pisses you off. You are kind of snobbish about it, you're kind of snooty about it. Right? Where where are you that? Like, do you do you cook so well at home that when you go to a fine restaurant, you're like, I can make better risotto at home. And you mean it. And you mean it. You're not just boasting. You're not just being, you know. You mean it. Like, you, like there's no way I should be paying $30 for this risotto. The one I made in my home last week was better than this. Right? In which area of your life are you that? Where are you a snob? Legitimately, reasonably, correctly a snob. Uh, maybe that that area is part of your life purpose. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the chakra system. You can actually map these out on the chakras if you go, go by them. So the one I just mentioned has to do with your mastery. The second one has to do with inspiration. You can place it kind of at the fifth and sixth chakra. In what area of life do you feel inspiration and insight comes to you more easily? I think this is a very big dead giveaway. This is where the spiritual realm kind of tips its hand. This is where the God when this is where God actually tips his hand in in telling in, in reminding us or hinting at us whatever life purpose is. Inspiration is easier in that area of our life. Answers come more readily. Right. There are there's one or hopefully there's one or two area in your life where you feel this. Where you're able to actually solve problems quickly, where you go to bed with a problem and you wake up with a solution. Where you're able to make rapid progress. Where you almost seem to be in a conversation with yourself in making progress and in solving questions. You ask yourself questions and then you answer your own questions and things seem to move forward. Right? Is there an area of your life where you feel inspiration and listening in this this area has always been just a little bit easy right other people will say you're so creative in this field right you just how do you do all that how do you get so many ideas in this field and you're like i don't know not a big deal can't everybody do it you may not notice it other people may notice it and i think that may be a very good hint Take that area and make that, put that in your life purpose column. What else? Yeah, bring it down to the first chakra, actually. In which task or field have people been willing to pay you for what you bring? In which area of your life has it been the easiest for you to make money? Right? That actually might be a very real indicator, very tangible one. In which area of your life do people readily see the value of what you're bringing and they say to you, I'll pay you for that? Definitely. Totally worth it. Right. That may fit in the life purpose area. So these are all internal examinations and circumstantial examinations with which we can derive our life purpose rather than just going into a cave and sitting and asking God about it. Like, come down and give me a fortune cookie with my answer. The answer kind of might be all around us. 
And I think it is it is more in the structure of well, what the hell have I been built for? I think if we come at it from a perspective of faith, that is the normal place to begin. We don't really just, we don't talk about these things anymore. We don't really talk. I don't think most people are sitting around actually concerned about the state of their soul. And I, I don't think that's always actually been the case. I think we have lost, we have become agnostic and atheists in many ways, but it's not even just the external God we have killed. We don't really believe we have a soul. I don't think there are too many people who are very much concerned about their internal life. I think if you ask somebody today, some a, a very uh, 19th century question out of a 19th century novel, like, aren't you concerned about the state of your soul? Don't lie, don't cheat, don't act in this way. Aren't you, aren't you concerned what will happen to your soul if you act this way? I think that that used to be a real inquiry for people. Like they, there used to be real fear around it, and maybe the invention of hell was instrumental in that. But I think even without that fear, people like genuinely cared about their internal state, and that kind of lent itself to the idea that we have not been created in random. We have been created for a purpose, and we have been created for a purpose. Let's just say by somebody who knows how to create us somebody who has the capacity to build our soul and set us off in this world and if that's the case then it kind of it's up to us to figure out the nature of the soul we've been given what we've been built for i don't think that's i think that's actually a very uh that's an inquiry that's anchored in humility I think we are so narcissistic today that we feel we can change and define ourselves completely at our own will and our whim. And I don't know when we decided to do this. When did we take a vote and say, yeah, we are our own gods. We have like we have really tried to make ourselves into the Ubermensch of Nietzsche. Even Nietzsche could not hack his Superman. Right? Even he lost his fucking marbles. I think it's a much more humble path to take that I am here. I don't know how I got here. Chances are I've been put here for a reason by forces bigger than myself. And maybe I should inquire and figure out what God wants me to do in this world. And to also have the humility to say what God may want me to do isn't going to make it to page six, isn't going to get me likes and followers uh because that's not how this works oftentimes god will send you to your death right this used to be like the statement and the stance of faith i was thinking about this and i was uh it reminded me it reminded me of a scene from the beautiful movie chariots of fire the scene had it always stayed with me i watched this movie as a teenager and when it came on even at that stage, I don't know how old I was, probably 14, 1984 or something. I remember it stayed with me. Like I'm like, uh, this is, this is, I heard by a priest, and I'm like, wow, this priest is so fucking full of himself. This priest is so much in his ego. But now I'm not sure, right? The moment is, if, if you've seen the movie, if you haven't, go watch it. It's a gorgeous movie. Based on a true story, of I think he's Scottish, 
I think his name is Eric. Eric Little Lydell. I don't know how you pronounce it. L I D D E L L. Little, I think you pronounce his name. Eric Little. Uh, and he is a sprinter. He's a he's a world class runner, and he's also a, a priest. One of those priests who marries in Scotland. He's not a Catholic priest, and he's on his way to China to a mission. But he wants to delay his mission because he wants to run in the Olympics. Right? Because he's that good. And his wife has this conversation with him saying, this. I think she actually says this. I'm just remembering it. She actually says something to the effect like, I'm concerned about your soul. To her priest husband. And she's like, she's in the inquiry, like, are you doing this just out of pride? Is this an act of pride for you to compete in the Olympics and to postpone your mission? And he answers her something, which again, at the moment, as a teenager, when I heard, I'm like, you're so full of shit. He's like, and he answers, he says, God made me fast. He says, God made me fast. And when I run, I can feel his pleasure inside of me, in my running. That sounds like a very narcissistic thing to say from one perspective. And yet, I think if we were to hear that with a soft heart, you could believe him. It's a mystical statement. Right? Is it arrogant for a man to say, God has made me fast, and when I run, I can feel his joy in me, in my heart, in me doing what he has built me to do? Uh, interesting. I think something to contemplate. It might be a worthwhile meditation, right? Is there some part of our life that when we do it, when we engage in it with all of our energies, we may feel what Eric Little was describing? Is there has there any been any part of your life where you feel I can feel God's pleasure in creating me? I am so in my function. I have no idea. I think it's a good it's a good goal to keep. It's a good it should you should we should certainly be on a lookout for it. Right. As much can we be in as much of a purpose as a terrier killing a rat? Can we feel can we feel God's joy in the terrier? Because that's exactly what he built him for. So maybe that's a backward, backward journey, internal journey, roundabout journey in us inquiring. What's my purpose? What the hell am I doing here anyway?